documentary has come out. I've seen everybody fighting on Twitter. Um, I admittedly, you know, kind of troll some people on Twitter about LeBron being better. Let me get this straight. I have always been a Jordan fan, right? Don't necessarily love the way he lived his life off the court, but that I don't think has anything to do with the player that he was on the court. You know, I, when I, growing up, he was my favorite player. I had all the Jordans, my first pair, I think I was seven years old. I got the, the Jordan fives. Um, I had all these jerseys, dream team jerseys, bulls jerseys, space jam jerseys, the rare air book. Now, if you know what the rare air book is, you're a Jordan fan. It was like a photo journal, um, big 16 by 16 book that, um, you know, just highlighted his career. It was awesome, but it was like a hot commodity back then. Um, and, you know, though I was a young kid during Jordan's heyday, I watched intently and I have the same romanticized memories of Jordan that everyone else does. But what I want to do in this podcast is let everyone know, try to convince you that the gap between LeBron and Jordan is very, very, very slender. I'm not going to come on here and say Jordan's the GOAT. I'm not going to come on here and say LeBron is the GOAT. I think, to be honest, Without LeBron finishing his career, that is a debate that is still up in the air. If it ended right now, if basketball was over forever, I probably would have to give Jordan a slight edge. However, I think it is very easy for LeBron to be able to overtake Jordan as the GOAT. But here's the other thing. The greatest of all time is a bit of an ambiguous term, right? It's up for interpretation, too. Like, what does that even mean? Does it mean the greatest one-on-one, the greatest in a accomplishments in NBA accomplishments, um, the best five on five player, like, you know, you have to kind of clarify what that means. If you give Jordan the same four robots to play with on his team and LeBron, the same four robots to play on that, on his team, who wins? Right. I mean, it's very tough to, um, compare apples to oranges, errors to errors and, and Jordan to LeBron. Um, they play in two completely different areas with, you know, different sets of rules and different teammates and um, just a, it's a different game, too, to be honest. So you really have to think about um, the different classifications of what it means to be the greatest of all time. Um, for me, I think people, when they say that, it just it means accomplishments uh, to them. And, yeah, 6-0 and in the finals versus LeBron's 3-6 does seem like a winner. But let's break it all down. Let's start off with that first 6-0 and in the finals versus 3-6 in the finals argument. To be fair, I think it is a bit of a lazy argument because it doesn't take certain things into account. Number one is that Jordan didn't only play six years of basketball, right? What happened in the other eight years? Getting to the finals six times and winning all of them is an unbelievable accomplishment. But I think it is disingenuous to not highlight the fact that Jordan didn't get out of the first round for many years, uh, especially without Scottie Pippen. 
And then he got beat by the Pistons until they became, you know, kind of over the hill. So I think it's disingenuous to say that 6-0 and beats 3-6 and when, you know, Jordan lost earlier than LeBron in most of those years, right? So I think it's people ding LeBron for getting to the finals and losing rather than saying, oh, wow, you made it past the first, second, and third round with, you know, pretty much scrubs in um, in Cleveland the first go-around. So let's break down the, the finals for both of these guys. The Mavs loss, brutal for LeBron's legacy. And if he had won that series, a series that he was favored in, I think you could say the argument for LeBron over Jordan holds a lot of water. Um, but the bottom line is Jordan's opponents in those finals were much weaker than LeBron's. The Lakers dynasty had one foot in the grave. The Trailblazers, I mean, outside of Clyde Drexler, not great. Um, Jordan has even said so much recently that comparing Clyde to him was a joke and that he hated that fact because he knew how much better he was than Clyde. Weak Trailblazers team. Now, the Suns team that Jordan beat and the Supersonics team, uh, I think, are were, were pretty good. You know, they were good teams. However, I mean, come on. LeBron has faced the Spurs. He's faced the Warriors, two dynasties, basically. Yes, I mentioned the Mavs loss, bad news. But honestly, in this era of, you know, more player movement, free agency, and super teams, that last game is going to be, that finals game is going to be way tougher than uh, getting uh, through the first three rounds. Now, contrary to that, LeBron has had an easier road to the finals uh, over Jordan in some years, right? Like Jordan got absolutely whacked in the Eastern Conference until 1991. And, you know, nobody dings him for that. However, that competition was, there were some teams in the East that were better than the teams that Jordan faced when he got to the finals. So I think when we look at this, when we take a step back, this argument doesn't necessarily favor LeBron, but I think that we can ignore the fact that Jordan, we can't ignore the fact that Jordan didn't win a playoff series in his first three years. Like, do you get what I'm saying here? You're telling me if Jordan willed these late 80s teams to a few playoff series wins and then made it to the finals and lost in those first three years, we would ding him for that? And 6-3 and three wouldn't be as good as 6-0? and oh? You're literally saying that not making it to the finals is better than getting there and losing. That doesn't make sense. Now, LeBron didn't even make the playoffs in his first two years. So I think this argument here is, you know, there's there's two sides to it, right? Yes, Jordan is 6-0 and in the finals, but he faced some pretty weak teams in those finals. It'd be pretty easy for, Le, for LeBron to win six finals if the caliber of team was like the ones Jordan faced, right? I think we might see LeBron have a little bit better of a finals record uh, if he faced the caliber of the team Jordan beat. Now, that's not to say it takes anything away from Jordan because he beat some tough teams in the Eastern Conference to get there. Probably tougher teams than the finals, but I just don't think we could ignore the fact that you know Jordan lost uh, before the finals in multiple, multiple years. So then you're going to hear people say that, well, LeBron didn't even make the playoffs in his first two years. You're absolutely right. The team was absolutely dreadful, and Believe it or not, though, they, he won almost the same amount of games as Jordan in those first two years. 
like Jordan was sneaking into the playoffs as an eight seed, um, like with 30 and 35 wins as a Bulls team uh, when he got to the playoffs in those first few years. And LeBron was uh, around 30, 35 wins in those years as well. But they were the Cavs were just on the outside looking in. So the success really wasn't much different. It just so happens that Jordan's teams did sneak into the playoffs. So bottom line on this argument, LeBron's playoff record, finals record, is does not look great. But it's because he went up against some juggernauts in the finals. And, you know, Jordan faced some tougher competition in the East. But, you know, I don't think we can ignore the fact that he's lo- he lost many times before the finals. So then the next argument that you hear is that the 80s and 90s was a more difficult era to play basketball in than the modern era. And that's the biggest bunch of shit I've ever heard. And it's argued by guys that will in the same breath tell you that, you know, they haven't watched basketball since Pistol Pete hung up his nuthuggers. So, you know, there were some great players in every era, but the 2000s have a much more concentrated, talented player pool. I, I, like, just look up and down the bench. The NBA expanded twice during Jordan's era, and it really weakened the competition. Yes, there was guys like Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde, Clyde Drexler, Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley. Um, and, and like I said, the 80s and 90s had their superstars that would have shined in any era. But there are more gifted athletes today, and a lot of them were on the same teams. Most of today's six men would be all-stars in the 90s, and you can't shake me of that otherwise. You know, Jordan was 10 times more talented and athletic than most of the opponents he faced. LeBron's a physical specimen, but he faces elite competition at every position, you know, from 1 to 5, basically 1 to 10, every single night. You know, there were nights where Jordan was, you know, locked up with some guys that he was just so much better than just could outleap them, outrun them. And like I said, while LeBron is a physical specimen, everybody is athletic in the NBA today. Um, everybody can jump out of the building, That especially when the guys that were asked to, to guard LeBron. So I think, you know, when you see highlights of Jordan running circles around Craig Elo and hanging in the air for three seconds and shooting a jumper off the backboard, you know, like guys like Nerlens Noel would send that ball into orbit today. So, and I'm not saying Jordan wouldn't have adjusted to the game that that is played today, but it's just a different time. And I think today's era is a much, much tougher time to succeed in. You can go on YouTube and watch ninth graders doing the moves that Jordan was heralded for, you know, like going up with his right hand and then switching to the left and laying it in. There's just so many vastly talented players in the NBA today. Uh, And then let's talk about the defense, because that's something that comes up too. Another misnomer is that there's no defense in the 2000s. Contrary to that notion, it it was actually easier in the 90s for star players to overmatch their one-on-one matchup. At some point in the 2000s, early 2000s, the NBA got rid of the illegal defense rule. And basically what the illegal defense rule is, it, it didn't allow players to guard space, right? effectively getting uh, not allowing zone defense now if you know anything about the nba no one's going to play a true zone defense where five guys just guard the floor and everybody shoots over them and they get blown out of the building that's not how it happens however 
One of the main tenets of a great man-to-man defense is help defense. And if you're one pass away from the ball, you sag off your man a little bit, unless you're denying. But if you're two passes away from the ball, you sag way off. And they have, they have what's called a help side line. In the, it's an imaginary line drawn in the middle of the floor, right up the paint. And you kind of hover around that area. Um, it, now, in the NBA, there's there's three seconds of legal defense in the paint, so you can't really do that. But you sag off your man, right? You're down on the low block if your guy's in the corner, if the ball's on the other side of the court. And then you close out if the ball is swung to him or, or skipped past to him. In Jordan's era, that's not how it worked. You had to be guarding a man. Now, there's a debate on whether the officials were really strict on that rule or not. But the bottom line is a guy couldn't sag off his man and wait for Jordan to drive past his one-on-one matchup. He would be able to come off his man if Jordan beat his man to the basket. But you know what happens today? The lane's clogged. As soon as LeBron goes to, goes to the basket, there's guys sagging into the lane, helping off, and it makes it a lot harder to drive to the basket today. Now, Yes, in the 90s, they were a little bit more lenient with the shoulders and the elbows and the hand checking. And I think that makes this argument a little bit of a push, right? You can't hand check today, which would be a little bit tougher for certain guys. But you also can't sag into the lane and, you know, premeditatively help uh, on guys like LeBron that you know are going to win their one-on-one matchup. Jordan even came out in the in the 2000s when this when this rule was going to be put on the shelf and said like I wouldn't have been the player I was today if guys could you know just sag into the lane and help before I beat my man look it up google chicago sun times jordan illegal defense he basically came out and said it's going to ruin the game for superstars because it's going to make it so much harder on them to score so he even admitted that taking away the illegal defensive rule uh, was very harmful to a superstar and, and you know, basically said that it was going to ruin the game. You can Google the article. I believe it was in the Chicago Sun-Times. Let me just make something clear, though. I'm not trying to convince you that LeBron is the greatest of all time in this podcast. What I am trying to do, though, is show you that some of these arguments against LeBron don't hold a ton of water. Um, and making the competition or making the decision of who is the greatest LeBron or Jordan a little bit closer. And to add to that, my favorite argument is that LeBron wouldn't have made it in the 80s and 90s because he flops and he's soft and that's laughable. I mean, he's 6'9", 260. He's a freight train. He's also a product of his environment. Just like I said, Jordan would adapt to you know, the elite shot blockers of today that would send his silly little hanging jump shots to the moon, you know, he wouldn't do those anymore. And he would find a way and he would still be one of the greatest players of all time in the 2000s. He just wouldn't have done it the way he did it back then because everyone could jump out of the gym today. Um, he wouldn't be able to hang in the air over uh, certain players and, and get these shots off. So he would adjust. I agree. Just like I think LeBron would have adjusted in the 80s and 90s, and he would have chucked dudes. He would have come down the lane like a freight train. He wouldn't have looked for flops. He wouldn't have, you know, if someone swiped at the ball and hit his neck, he wouldn't have jumped into the stands looking for a foul because he wouldn't have gotten it. You know, he it's like Pavlov's dog. He's been trained to, you know, play like the way he plays because he gets those calls when it happens. Um, so I think, you know, either argument 
is null and void there because Jordan would have adapted, LeBron would have adapted to their different eras. Um, so some other arguments that people like to use to say that the gap between LeBron and Jordan is, is huge and Jordan's the greatest by a long shot. A lot of them like to say LeBron's teammates bailed him out. Well, there's been plenty of games when Pip carried the load, when John Paxson and Steve Kerr hit massive series-winning shots in the NBA Finals. I mean, you know, yeah, Kyrie hit a big shot. But when people make this argument, they make it seem like, you know, Jordan played with a bunch of jabronis. And that's not the case. He had that team. I mean, Pippen, Rodman, great players. Ron Harper, great defender. Um, Paxson and Kerr. Shooters shot the lights out. So, I mean, to say that LeBron was bailed out by his teammates and Jordan never was is, is kind of silly. Um, LeBron needed to build super teams. Well, first of all, Dan Gilbert's an asshole. He basically, you know, refused to surround LeBron with any type of team. He thought LeBron could carry a team of, you know, I mean, some of these guys. So Drunas Logoskis, uh is is your is your second guy. That's not going to work out. You know, I mean, Larry Hughes, where are we going? He played with scrubs before leaving for Miami, and he was forced to because he the owner wouldn't surround him with talent. You know, Pippen and Rodman are a big three. If you can, if you if you ask me, Jordan Pippen and Rodman are a really good big three. Um, like. Bosh, Wade, and LeBron. It's just that Kraus went out and got those guys. You know, Jordan didn't have to go seek another team because he wasn't getting teammates put around him. The other argument that I think we can make for LeBron is the best coach he's ever had is himself. Who has coached any team that LeBron has played on? I mean, Eric Spolster was Miami's video guy. He was their video coordinator, and then he's the head coach. Did a great job. But, I mean, Jordan had the GOAT. Jordan had Phil Jackson, 11 championships. You know, I mean, the argument for another time, uh, it's an argument for another time, who created who. But, man, Phil just revolutionized the game with triangle offense, and I think that had a lot to do with Jordan's dominance. Um Let's see, what else do they say? They say Jordan, uh, or excuse me, they say LeBron takes games off. Well, Jordan took some years off. Uh, and then to go back to the finals argument, you know, this is something that I always say, sure, LeBron has probably the, the worst finals loss that he could possibly have, right? The the Mavs, he lost to the Mavs. It was a decent team. They had dirt, but he should have never lost that series. LeBron also has the best finals win by a long shot a 73-win, record-breaking Golden State Warriors team. Jordan never faced a team in the finals of that caliber. And LeBron came back and beat them down 3-1. You could say it all that you want about Dre being suspended, etc. Fact of the matter is LeBron has the best finals win between the two of them. People also say that, uh, and I think there's some merit to this, that Jordan had a killer instinct. He was... He wanted to win at all costs, and LeBron is, you know, he doesn't have that that look in his eye. Maybe true. I mean, that's qualitative, to be honest. That's anecdotal. But I could see what you're saying, you know. And I think one of the other things is that LeBron 
is a little bit of a goofball off the court. You know, uh, on social media, he's yelling about Taco Tuesday. Jordan would be caught dead doing anything like that. He oozed coolness. And LeBron's somewhat of a dork. Um, I personally like the fact that LeBron has kept his nose clean off the court and doesn't have the same transgressions as, you know, Jordan. But I don't think that should determine who you feel is the biggest basketball player. So to wrap this up, I will say that even though I said everything I said, it was only to get you to believe, to convince you that the gap between Jordan and LeBron is slimmer than than you think. Not that LeBron is the GOAT and that Jordan is not. The gap. You know, this, this is for the people who think that, you know, Jordan is one and LeBron is massive gap two. Or the people, some of the people that say, you know, it goes Jordan and then they name like 16 players and they put LeBron at 17. Get out of here. It's Jordan and it's LeBron and it's very, very close. And if it ends today, I will give Jordan the nod. But if LeBron gets one or two more championships, I will, without a shadow of a doubt, beat the drum for LeBron as the GOAT because I think that getting to the finals and losing is better than being bounced in the first round. I really do. So if they equal out in finals and LeBron's been to 12 and has won six or LeBron's been to 11 and has won five, I just think that that is um, an accomplishment that can't go overlooked. And we can't give Jordan a pass for not making it to the finals uh, and use his 6-0 and finals record as the only argument. It's the only argument I need, Sean. That is one of the classic lines from Bad Teacher when he's arguing with the kid, uh, who's better, LeBron or Jordan, and he says Jordan has six championships, and the kid says, is that your only argument? And he comes back with, it's the only argument I need, Sean. It's not, though. It's not the only argument. And I hope today you realized that, uh, you know, we can look at it and say, man, Jordan's 6-0 and in the finals because he did not have the best teams to play against. And that's fine. That's okay. It's still a great accomplishment. It's still an unbelievable feat to three-peat twice because he did beat some pretty tough teams in the Eastern Conference. However, LeBron's competition in the finals was a bit tougher. So I think if he can reach Jordan in championships and he's 6-6 six and six in the finals and Jordan's 6-0, and oh, I mean, how are we going to ding him? How are we going to ding LeBron for getting to more finals and losing over Jordan, who lost in the first round or the second round? You know, we can't. It just doesn't make any sense. So for right now, I'll side with MJ. If basketball was to finish today, LeBron was to retire tomorrow, I will give you that Jordan is probably, by a very slim margin, the GOAT. If LeBron can get a few more notches in his belt, I think we have to succumb to the idea that LeBron has surpassed Michael Jordan. All right, that'll do it for the Ride in NFL DFS podcast. A little bit of a stray away from your typical NFL DFS talk, but I hope you enjoyed it. It's just my thoughts. Um, Wasn't trying to convince you that LeBron is the GOAT. Just wanted to show you that the gap is close and LeBron can overtake him in a few years. I really think it, really think so. Um, share this with your friends that think that, that you always argue about LeBron and Jordan. Come at me on Twitter with your, your stance on it. I don't care. 
Uh, I'm always game to hear what you have to think and have an intelligent, civil argument. That's just the way I look at it. And a lot of it today was my opinion. I know that, but a lot of it is fact. And I think some people romanticize, you know, the Jordan era and they don't look at things like the the level of competition and the rules and or they have like a, a weird distorted idea of of what the competition and the rules were like um, just because it was their favorite era or something like that. But I think I tried to lay it out pretty fairly and in a, you know, a, a, a common sense type way. It's okay that you disagree if you do, uh, but I had to get it off my chest. Keep your eyes peeled for more. We're going to do some best ball. We're going to do some player eval, dynasty redraft. I'm going to crush it all this summer uh, with a ton of fantasy content, not just DFS. So keep your eyes peeled. Maybe even some more impromptu debate type stuff like this. The podcast is expanding. Always, NFL DFS is always going to be the number one agenda um, when it's happening. Uh, but I definitely want to uh, talk a bit more about uh, certain things, certain topics in NFL and elsewhere. So, you know, keep subscribing and sharing the podcast. It means a whole bunch to me. Have a great day. Oh, oh, oh. All I see is signs. All I see is dollar signs.